Will you turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 12? Luke chapter 12. Where we are right now in the Gospel of Luke is an extended portion of the words of Jesus. Much of what we've seen in Luke so far is a lot of action. Jesus going from place to place, healing, doing uh, works of miracles, casting out demons. Uh, This is uh, probably one of the longer extensions of Jesus' teachings within the Gospel of Luke. And we've seen him focus on the issue of wealth, of greed, of covetousness, and teaching the people and his disciples to not put their hope, to not put their life in the things of this world, but to focus their life on the treasures of heaven. And last week we saw that Jesus kind of in that same realm of focusing on the things of this world, but more from the standpoint of worry, of teaching his disciples that they don't need to have their focus on the treasures of this world because God will provide for them. God will take care of them. So they don't need to be uh, focused on these things to the point of worry or anxiety about them. And then this morning in our passage, beginning in verse 35 of Luke chapter 12, Jesus is going to talk to his disciples, but also to the crowd about the theme of watchfulness, of being ready for the return of Jesus Christ. He says in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse number 35, he says, be dressed, ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Let's bow in prayer together.
Our Father, we come today into your presence to worship you and to kneel before your majesty and to humbly bow before the authority of your word. Father, we respect and we honor the scriptures because we believe that they are the very word of God. What we read are not the words of men, but they are the words of God from heaven. And so, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to humble ourselves and to receive the truth that our Lord is teaching us today. Give us minds to understand and hearts to receive. And Father, may your spirit apply these things to our hearts. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. When I was going through seminary in Michigan 20 years ago, that's hard to believe, 20 years ago, seems like a long, seems like a long, long time, but on the other hand, it seems like just yesterday. I was uh, going through seminary in Michigan, and I was the manager of a Christian bookstore. So that's how I worked my way through seminary. I managed a Christian bookstore, and, and I had employees under me. And when I would go for the end of the day and I would leave, I would entrust them with certain things that I wanted them to do while I was gone, things that had to be done that night, things to get ready for the next day. And I had to take a day off every once in a while too. So there would be times when employees would be there and I would give them things to do. And it was up to them whether or not they would do them. And every once in a while, I would be in the neighborhood shopping or somewhere else nearby. And every once in a while I would pop in and just to see what was going on. And y'all know, right, what was probably going on. Just about anybody who's ever been in any kind of managerial or supervisory position knows that when you show up in a situation like that, most of the time, what are they doing? Nothing, right? Nothing. They're just standing around. They're talking to each other. Uh, There might be a customer over here that's looking at something that never even talked to them, never helped them. There's books on a cart, you know, that need to go out on the shelf, stuff that has to be stocked. They're just standing around doing nothing. And you probably know what happens next when I walk through the door, right? Oh, I'm I'm busy. I'm, I'm at work, right? Pretending that I didn't notice that they were just standing around doing nothing. So how would the best way what would the best way for them to be not caught off guard? Just being busy, right? Doing their job the way they were supposed to be doing, whether I was there or not. In a sense, that's what Jesus is teaching us in this passage. The primary theme of this passage is to be ready for the return of Jesus. And the thing that we need to remember is that we, as believers, have been entrusted with the store, so to speak. And our master is away. But one day he's coming back. And when he does, will he find us busy and faithful? Or will he find us irresponsible and unfaithful? It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be a hundred years from now. Whenever the Lord returns, will he find us busy or will we be caught off guard? Jesus in this passage is going to teach us the importance of being ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And on the surface of it, if we're reading through Luke chapter 12, we might think that this teaching of Jesus is disconnected from what he has been talking about before. But I think it's very much connected because in the previous couple of passages that we've been looking at, he's been focusing on putting our 
our heart on the treasures of this world versus our heart on the treasures of heaven? Well, if your heart, if your focus is on the treasures of this world, then you're not going to be ready for the return of Christ, are you? You're not going to be faithful. You're not going to be watchful. You're not going to be ready for the return of Christ because you're focusing on your life, on your priorities, on your desires and wants, not on the priorities or the the emphases of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for Luke, being watchful and ready for the Lord's return is consistent with being faithful with one's possessions and laying up treasure in heaven and not on earth. In other words, you cannot be truly watchful and ready for the any moment return of the Lord if you're investing all of your time, resources, energies, and worry into money and material things. If you focus, if your focus is on the possessions of this life, then you are not being concerned about the treasures of the next life. And if you are not concerned about the treasures of the next life, that means that you're not doing the will of Christ. And when he returns, he will not find you being faithful to his call to discipleship. And so Jesus is going to emphasize the theme of watchfulness and what it means to be ready in the next few verses. And he's going to do so through the use of some parables or illustrations. And the first one is from the scene of a wedding feast. He says in verse number 35, He says in verse 35, be dressed, ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Verse 35 is a general command to be ready. And it says, be dressed and ready for service. And what that's doing is it's translating an idiom from biblical language that more literally says, have your loins girt about. And that's a phrase that we encounter several times through scripture, have your loins girt about. And essentially it's the picture of someone in the ancient world who had a long garment, a long robe. And what they would do is they would take that long robe and they would tuck it up and tie it into their belt so that they would have freedom of movement, either to run or to to work. That's the image of being ready, being ready to work, ready to run, having your garment tucked up into your, your waist belt. And so the language here implies that Jesus' disciples should be in a constant state of readiness, having their garment tucked into their belt, ready to run or to work when the master calls. And the second image is one of being prepared as well. Jesus told his disciples that they were to have their lamps burning so that they could go and move about even if it was dark. And through the use of these two symbols, Jesus was telling his disciples to be ready under any circumstance. To bring these images into our own time, we might say, make sure that you're dressed, fully clothed. Make sure that you have your athletic shoes or your work shoes on. Make sure that you have a flashlight with batteries in it and make sure that you have gas in your car. Be ready to go at a moment's notice. That is how you can be prepared for an event that could happen at any moment, isn't it? You've prepared in advance. You're ready. And so Jesus calls his disciples to be ready for his return at a moment's notice. 
Verse 36 brings in the illustration of a wedding feast. And Jesus compares his disciples to servants who are waiting for their master to return from a wedding feast. In the ancient world, in the time of Israel, these wedding feasts would last for several days, sometimes as long as a week. And in this parable, the servants were to be ready to open the door and receive and serve their master whenever he returned. All three of these images, having your loins girt about, having your lamps lit, being ready for the master's return from the wedding feast. All three of these images teach us to be ready. We should be going about our business with one eye toward heaven and the other eye toward the tasks that our God has given to us. And if we are watching and ready, then there is a blessing that awaits us. Verse 37 says, It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. So if you heed the word of Christ and you are faithful and watching and ready, then when the master returns, there is blessing. There is reward. He says it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. And the interesting thing about verse number 37 here is that this turns the image upside down of what we would normally expect. Because it says, truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Normally speaking, we would think of ourselves as serving Christ. And really, the emphasis of this passage is on us serving Christ and being faithful and ready for his return. But the irony of it is that when Jesus returns, he blesses us. He serves us. And he invites us in to his kingdom and he sits us down at his banquet table and we get to recline and eat and enjoy the banquet that Jesus has prepared for us. The blessing for his disciples who are ready when he comes home. He says in verse number 38, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. What this is referring to is in the Roman world, they had different watches of the night. And so you would have from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. four watches. See, the first watch was from 6 to 9, the second watch from 9 to midnight, then the third from midnight to 3, and then 3 to 6. And what this is referring to is these middle watches of the night, the times when people would be most prone to be caught off guard. And he says, be ready, even if it is in the middle of the night during these dark watches of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. The thing that Jesus is emphasizing in these two verses is the any moment return of Jesus. In in theology, we, we refer to this as the imminent return of Christ, meaning that there is nothing that is standing in the way of Jesus returning at any moment. 
It could happen today. It could happen the next century. We don't know when it will happen, but we refer to it as being near or being imminent because it could happen today at any moment's notice. And so Jesus emphasizes the need to be ready and to be watchful at all times because we don't know when Jesus is going to come. Think back to that illustration I gave at the beginning of the workers at my bookstore. What's the best way for them to be watchful and ready? Well, one way they could do it, I suppose, is they could put somebody at the front door, right? And looking out the front windows, watching the parking lot, and they could see my car drive into the parking lot, and then they sound the warning, right? Oh, he's here. Get to work. Well, a couple problems with that. One, you can't always have your eyes open to the parking lot because something is going to catch your attention and you're going to turn your head and you're going to be caught off guard. Also, my store had a back door and sometimes I'd come through the back door. So that wouldn't work either. What's the best way for them to be watchful and ready? Just be doing their job, right? At any moment so that they don't have to be looking. They don't have to be Uh, worrying about when I might come because they're just being faithful in what they've been given. That's really what Jesus is teaching us in this passage. We can't always be looking up to the sky. He's not asking us to go up on a mountaintop somewhere and just camp out on a mountain and look up to the sky, the clouds, when Jesus will return. That's not what he means by watchfulness. What he means by watchfulness is being ready at any moment because you're being faithful. You're doing what Jesus has entrusted you to do. He says in verse 39, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would, have, would not have let his house be broken into. If he knew the time, he'd be standing guard, wouldn't he? But we don't, he doesn't know the time. He, he can't be ready like that, standing guard at every single moment. So he has to prepare. He has to prepare his house. We, we have locks on our doors because we can't stand there 24-7 and guard our house, right? We do other things to prepare to help protect our house. We make things ready for something that could happen at any moment. So Jesus says, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, Are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? I love this question by Peter. And I think in some senses, the the meaning and the application of this passage hinges on this question and the Lord's response to the question. Peter is, is in essence asking, Lord, are you talking to us, the twelve, the ones who are always with you, the ones who are there faithful with you all the time? Or are you talking to the crowd more generally? Which might be composed of a mixed group of believers and unbelievers. Who who are you you talking to? What, What are these parables for? And I love Jesus' response. Because in the classic way that Jesus usually responds, he doesn't directly answer him, does he? He doesn't say, yes, I'm talking to you, Peter, you alone. He doesn't say, I'm talking just to the crowd. The way he replies to Peter is he tells him another parable. 
Lord, who do you mean this to? Are you talking to us, to the crowd? Jesus says, let me give you another parable so that you can understand. And so the Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? Who is the faithful one? Who is the wise one? And he gives them some different choices. Who's the wise and faithful one? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. So one possibility is the master goes away. He entrusts the head servant with certain responsibilities and cares and making sure that all the other servants are taken care of and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But then he gives another option of another kind of servant. He says in verse 40, uh, verse 45, but suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. So back to Peter's question. Lord, who are you talking to? Are you talking to us, the 12? Yes, I am. Or are you talking to the crowd that might be composed of believers and unbelievers? Yes, I am. I'm talking to all of you. All of you need to take this message to heart because the one who is faithful will be rewarded. The one who heeds the master's call remains in faith, remains faithful and is watchful and ready. He receives a reward and he he receives greater responsibility. But to the one who completely goes against the master's wishes says, man, this is taking so long. Why, why hasn't he come back yet? He grows impatient. He gets selfish. He starts to indulge himself. He eats, he gets drunk, and then he starts to beat the other servants. What's going to happen to him? Well, the master comes back and judges him. He will be cut to pieces and he will assign him a place with the unbelievers. Well, it's very clear what the outcome for that servant is, isn't it? He is consigned to eternal condemnation. Understanding the spiritual meaning of of this parable of Jesus, the one who is faithful, what does he receive? He receives the kingdom. He receives the banquet of Christ. He goes into the supper of the lamb. But what about the unfaithful one? Well, he goes to damnation. He goes to hellfire. And just to make clear that that is what Luke is meaning here, this parallel passage in Matthew says where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So clearly this servant is off into eternal damnation. And then Jesus says, the servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be 
asked. In these last couple of verses, Jesus teaches a principle that we find several times during his ministry in the Gospels, and that is what someone receives on the day of judgment will be consistent with, according to the amount of truth, of light, of revelation that they have been granted. In other words, someone who has been given the truth of Jesus Christ, heard his words, seen his miracles, seen him cast out demons. In other words, received the most amount of light and truth and revelation who knew the master's will, but does not do it. Woe to that person on judgment day. But to the person who does not know the master's will, perhaps to someone who has never heard the gospel, never heard the words of Christ, they too will be held accountable on judgment day. But their punishment will be different than the punishment of those who had full access to the truth of Jesus Christ and rejected it. So when, Jesus, when Peter asked the question, Lord, who is this teaching for? Is it for us or is it for the crowd? In essence, Jesus' answer is yes. It's for all of you. And the way it applies to you is the way in which you respond to the message. The way in which you respond to the message of Christ is how this message applies to you and whether or not you receive reward or you receive punishment, you receive judgment. Think about the fact that when Peter asked the question, Lord, are you talking to us or to the crowd? Guess who was numbered among the us that Peter was referring to? Judas Iscariot, right? The us that Peter assumed were the ones who were in was Judas Iscariot. And yet we know from scripture, from our reading of the gospels, that Jesus says at one point, I have called you, but one of you is a devil, right? So even of the us that Peter thought were in, there was still one who was going to be found unfaithful on judgment day and receive condemnation. What about the crowd? Are you talking to us or or the crowd? Well, in the crowd, certainly there was a mixed group, wasn't there? In the crowd, there would have been people who were true believers of Jesus and remained faithful to Jesus and the gospel. But there were those who walked away, like we read in John chapter 6, who when they heard the, the harder teachings of Christ, they said, we can't bear this, and they walked away. So even within the crowd, there was a mixed group. There was a mixed group in the twelve. There was a mixed group in the crowd. The issue is, are you a true follower of Christ, a true believer of Christ? And whether or not you are truly one of his will be manifest in the way in which you respond to his word. What does John chapter 10 say? My sheep hear my voice and they what? They follow me. My sheep 
hear my voice, and they follow me. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, there will be many on the last day who will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do all these wonderful works in your name? And Jesus will say to them on the day of judgment, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you evildoers, because I knew you and forgot about you. No, I never knew you. So what's at issue here is the one who is watchful and ready is a true disciple of Jesus. The one who disregards the word of Jesus and is not watchful and ready is not a true disciple of Jesus. And their genuineness of what is truly in their hearts, whether or not they are truly a born-again believer in Christ, a born-again child of God, it will eventually become evident in their fruit. So you have this servant who, he was there with the master, he, for who knows how long, served the master, but then when the master went away, he said, no, I'm going to do my own thing now. Eventually, what was really in his heart came out, and he was held accountable for it on judgment day. But those who are truly his, not saying that they're perfect or without flaw, but those who are truly his, they grow in faith. They grow in obedience. They grow in love. As John says in 1 John, those who have the seed of God in them, they bear out the qualities of the Father. They show forth that God dwells in them because they bear his likeness. So what is this passage teaching us? This passage is teaching us that Jesus' disciples will be ready for his return by being watchful through faith and faithfulness. Jesus' disciples, those who are truly his disciples, they'll be ready for his return through faith and through faithfulness. In other words, those who are truly his They will abide in faith. As Jesus says in John 15, you'll abide in me. You'll remain in me. They'll abide in faith and they will seek to be faithful following the words of Christ and his teachings. So where's our heart today? Thinking about the larger context of what we've been looking at over the last few weeks, where's our heart? Is our heart focused on the things of this world? Is our heart focused on the treasures of this life? Are we, are we greedy, covetous, materialistic? Are we worried, anxious, hoping we have enough of the things of this life? Are we self-indulgent like this unfaithful servant who ate and drank and got drunk and just was only concerned about himself? Where's our heart? The heart of a disciple of Jesus is with Jesus and heavenly treasure and therefore will be ready when Jesus returns at whatever hour because they will be watchful through faith and faithfulness. May God help us to apply Jesus' words this morning. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you 
for the word of Christ. There are times when the words of Christ greatly comfort us and assure us. There are other times when the words of Christ challenge us and exhort us. And Father, clearly the words that we've looked at this morning from Jesus, they challenge us, they exhort us to be watchful and ready, to be prepared for the return of our King whenever he may arrive. Lord, my prayer is that we would be prepared through faith. If there is someone here today who has not yet believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, that, Father, you would open their eyes to see that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God, their Savior, and that by believing in him, they may have life in his name. Father, may we be ready through faith. And Lord, for those of us who are your children, and you've done a work of grace in our hearts, may may we be ready through faithfulness, through abiding in Christ and his word. And so, Lord, may we be those who live out the teachings of Jesus and accomplish his mission that he has entrusted to us in this world. Father, may your spirit continue to do his work in our hearts, continuing to help us work out the salvation that you have so graciously worked into our lives. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.